chapter ten of the surgeon's daughter by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah chapter the tenth three years passed away after the fatal encounter mentioned in the last chapter and dr hartley returning from his appointed mission which was only temporary received encouragement to settle in madras in a medical capacity and upon having done so soon had reason to think he had chosen a line in which he might rise to wealth and reputation his practice was not confined to his countrymen but much sought after among the natives who whatever may be their prejudices against the europeans in other respects universally esteem their superior powers in the medical profession this lucrative branch of practice rendered it necessary that hartley should make the oriental languages his study in order to hold communication with his patients without the intervention of an interpreter he had enough of opportunities to practise as a linguist for in acknowledgment as he used jocularly to say of the large fee of the wealthy moslema and hindus he attended the poor of all nations gratis whenever he was called upon it so chanced that one evening he was hastily summoned by a message from the secretary of the government to attend a patient of consequence yet he is after all only a faker said the message you will find him at the tomb of kara razi the mohammedan saint and doctor about one cost from the fort inquire for him by the name of barak el hadgi such a patient promises no fees but we know how little you care about the pagodas and besides the government is your paymaster on this occasion that is the last matter to be thought on said hartley and instantly repaired in his palanquin to the place pointed out to him the tomb of the aulia or mohammedan saint kararazi was a place held in much reverence by every good mussulman it was situated in the centre of a grove of mangoes and tamarind trees and was built of red stone having three domes and minarets at every corner there was a court in front as usual around which were cells constructed for the accommodation of the fakers who visited the tomb from motives of devotion and made a longer or shorter residence there as they thought proper subsisting upon the alms which the faithful never failed to bestow on them in exchange for the benefit of their prayers these devotees were engaged day and night in reading verses of the koran before the tomb which was constructed of white marble inscribed with sentences from the book of the prophet and with the various titles conferred by the koran upon the supreme being such a sepulchre of which there are many is with its appendages and attendants respected during wars and revolutions and no less by pharynges franks that is 
and hindus than by mohammedans themselves the fakers in return act as spies for all parties and are often employed in secret missions of importance complying with the mohammedan custom our friend hartley laid aside his shoes at the gates of the holy precincts and avoiding to give offence by approaching nearer to the tomb he went up to the principal mullah or priest who was distinguishable by the length of his beard and the size of the large wooden beads with which the mohammedans like the catholics keep register of their prayers such a person venerable by his age sanctity of character and his real or supposed contempt of worldly pursuits and enjoyments is regarded as the head of an establishment of this kind the mullah is permitted by his situation to be more communicative with strangers than his younger brethren who in the present instance remained with their eyes fixed on the koran muttering their recitations without noticing the european or attending to what he said as he inquired for their superior for barak el hadgi the mullah was seated on the earth from which he did not arise or show any mark of reverence nor did he interrupt the tale of his beads which he continued to count assiduously while hartley was speaking when he finished the old man raised his eyes and looked at him with an air of distraction as if he was endeavouring to recollect what he had been saying he at length pointed to one of the cells and resumed his devotions like one who felt impatient of whatever withdrew his attention from his sacred duties were it but for an instant hartley entered the cell indicated with the usual salutation of salam alaikum his patient lay on a little carpet in a corner of the small whitewashed cell he was a man of about forty dressed in the black robe of his order very much torn and patched he wore a high conical cap of tartarian felt and had round his neck the string of black beads belonging to his order his eyes and posture indicated suffering which he was enduring with stoical patience salam alaikum said hartley you are in pain my father a title which he gave rather to the profession than to the years of the person he addressed salam alaikum bima sebastum answered the faker well it is for you that you have suffered patiently the book saith such shall be the greeting of the angels to those who enter paradise the conversation being thus opened the physician proceeded to inquire into the complaints of the patient and to prescribe what he thought advisable having done this he was about to retire when to his great surprise the faker tendered him a ring of some value the wise said hartley declining the present and at the same time paying a suitable compliment to the faker's cap and robe the wise of every country are brethren my left hand takes no guerdon of my right a feringhi can then refuse gold said the faker i thought they took it from every hand 
whether pure as that of an auri or leprous like gehazi's even as the hungry dog recketh not whether the flesh he eateth be of the camel of the prophet saileth or of the ass of degiel on whose head be curses the book says replied hartley that it is allah who closes and who enlarges the heart frank and mussulman are all alike moulded by his pleasure my brother hath spoken wisely answered the patient welcome the disease if it bring thee acquainted with a wise physician for what saith the poet it is well to have fallen to the earth if while grovelling there thou shalt discover a diamond the physician made repeated visits to his patient and continued to do so even after the health of el hadgi was entirely restored he had no difficulty in discerning in him one of those secret agents frequently employed by asiatic sovereigns his intelligence his learning above all his versatility and freedom from prejudices of every kind left no doubt of barak's possessing the necessary qualifications for conducting such delicate negotiations while his gravity of habit and profession could not prevent his features from expressing occasionally a perception of humour not usually seen in devotees of his class barak el hadgi talked often amidst their private conversations of the power and dignity of the nawab of mysore and hartley had little doubt that he came from the court of hyder ali on some secret mission perhaps for achieving a more solid peace betwixt that able and sagacious prince and the east india company's government that which existed for the time being regarded on both parts as little more than a hollow and insincere truce he told many stories to the advantage of this prince who certainly was one of the wisest that hindustan could boast and amidst great crimes perpetrated to gratify his ambition displayed many instances of princely generosity and what was a little more surprising of even-handed justice on one occasion shortly before barak el hadgi left madras he visited the doctor and partook of his sherbet which he preferred to his own perhaps because a few glasses of rum or brandy were usually added to enrich the compound it might be owing to repeated applications to the jar which contained this generous fluid that the pilgrim became more than usually frank in his communications and not contented with praising his nawab with the most hyperbolic eloquence he began to insinuate the influence which he himself enjoyed with the invincible the lord and shield of the faith of the prophet brother of my soul he said do but think if thou needest aught that the all-powerful hyder ali khan bohander can give and then use not the intercession of those who dwell in palaces and wear jewels in their turbans but seek the cell of thy brother at the great city which is seringapatam 
and the poor faker in his torn cloak shall better advance thy suit with the nawab for hyder did not assume the title of sultan than they who sit upon seats of honour in the divan with these and sundry other expressions of regard he exhorted hartley to come into the mysore and look upon the face of the great prince whose glance inspired wisdom and whose nod conferred wealth so that folly or poverty could not appear before him he offered at the same time to requite the kindness which hartley had evinced to him by showing him whatever was worthy the attention of a sage in the land of mysore hartley was not reluctant to promise to undertake the proposed journey if the continuance of good understanding betwixt their governments should render it practicable and in reality looked forward to the possibility of such an event with a good deal of interest the friends parted with mutual good wishes after exchanging in the oriental fashion such gifts as became sages to whom knowledge was to be supposed dearer than wealth barak el hadgi presented hartley with a small quantity of the balsam of mecca very hard to be procured in an unadulterated form and gave him at the same time a passport in a peculiar character which he assured him would be respected by every officer of the nawab should his friend be disposed to accomplish his visit to the mysore the head of him who should disrespect this safe conduct he said shall not be more safe than that of the barley-stalk which the reaper has grasped in his hand hartley requited these civilities by the present of a few medicines little used in the east but such as he thought might with suitable directions be safely entrusted to a man so intelligent as his moslem friend it was several months after barak had returned to the interior of india that hartley was astonished by an unexpected rencounter the ships from europe had but lately arrived and had brought over their usual cargo of boys longing to be commanders and young women without any purpose of being married but whom a pious duty to some brother some uncle or other male relative brought to india to keep his house until they should find themselves unexpectedly in one of their own dr hartley happened to attend a public breakfast given on this occasion by a gentleman high in the service the roof of his friend had been recently enriched by a consignment of three nieces whom the old gentleman justly attached to his quiet hookah and it was said to a pretty girl of colour desired to offer to the public that he might have the fairest chance to get rid of his new guests as soon as possible hartley who was thought a fish worth casting a fly for was contemplating this fair investment with very little interest when he heard one of the company say to another in a low voice angels and ministers there is our old acquaintance the queen of sheba returned upon our hands like unsaleable goods hartley looked in the same direction with the two who were speaking 
and his eye was caught by a semiramis-looking person of unusual stature and amplitude arrayed in a sort of riding-habit but so formed and so looped and gallooned with lace as made it resemble the upper tunic of a native chief her robe was composed of crimson silk rich with flowers of gold she wore wide trousers of light blue silk a fine scarlet shawl round her waist in which was stuck a crease with a richly ornamented handle her throat and arms were loaded with chains and bracelets and her turban formed of a shawl similar to that worn around her waist was decorated by a magnificent aigrette from which a blue ostrich plume flowed in one direction and a red one in another the brow of european complexion on which this tiara rested was too lofty for beauty but seemed made for command the aquiline nose retained its form but the cheeks were a little sunken and the complexion so very brilliant as to give strong evidence that the whole countenance had undergone a thorough repair since the lady had left her couch a black female slave richly dressed stood behind her with a chowry or cow's tail having a silver handle which she used to keep off the flies from the mode in which she was addressed by those who spoke to her this lady appeared a person of too much importance to be affronted or neglected and yet one with whom none desired further communication than the occasion seemed in propriety to demand she did not however stand in need of attention the well-known captain of an east india vessel lately arrived from britain was sedulously polite to her and two or three gentlemen whom hartley knew to be engaged in trade tended upon her as they would have done upon the safety of a rich argosy for heaven's sake what is that for a zenobia said hartley to the gentleman whose whisper had first attracted his attention to this lofty dame is it possible you do not know the queen of sheba said the person of whom he inquired no way both to communicate the information demanded you must know then that she is the daughter of a scotch emigrant who lived and died at pondichery a sergeant in lawley's regiment she managed to marry a partisan officer named montreville a swiss or frenchman i cannot tell which after the surrender of pondichery this hero and heroine but hey what the devil are you thinking of if you stare at her that way you will make a scene for she will think nothing of scolding you across the table but without attending to his friend's remonstrances hartley bolted from the table at which he sat and made his way with something less than the decorum which the rules of society enjoin towards the place where the lady in question was seated the doctor is surely mad this morning said his friend major mercer to old quartermaster calder indeed hartley was not perhaps strictly in his senses for looking at the queen of sheba as he listened to major mercer 
his eye fell on a light female form beside her so placed as if she desired to be eclipsed by the bulky form and flowing robes we have described and to his extreme astonishment he recognized the friend of his childhood the love of his youth many gray herself to see her in india was in itself astonishing to see her apparently under such strange patronage greatly increased his surprise to make his way to her and address her seemed the natural and direct mode of satisfying the feelings which her appearance excited his impetuosity was however checked when advancing close upon miss gray and her companion he observed that the former though she looked at him exhibited not the slightest token of recognition unless he could interpret as such that she slightly touched her upper lip with her forefinger which if it happened otherwise than by mere accident might be construed to mean do not speak to me just now hartley adopting such an interpretation stood stock still blushing deeply for he was aware that he made for the moment but a silly figure he was the rather convinced of this when with a voice which in the force of its accents corresponded with her commanding air mrs montraville addressed him in english which savoured slightly of a swiss patois you have come to us very fast sir to say nothing at all are you sure you did not get your tongue stolen by the way i thought i had seen an old friend in that lady madam stammered hartley but it seems i am mistaken the good people do tell me that you are one dr hartley sir now my friend and i do not know doctors hartley at all i have not the presumption to pretend to your acquaintance madam but him here many repeated the sign in such a manner that though it was only momentary hartley could not misunderstand its purpose he therefore changed the end of his sentence and added but i have only to make my bow and ask pardon for my mistake he retired back accordingly among the company unable to quit the room and inquiring at those whom he considered as the best newsmongers for such information as who is that stately-looking woman mr butler oh the queen of sheba to be sure and who is that pretty girl who sits beside her or rather behind her answered butler a military chaplain faith i cannot say pretty did you call her turning his opera-glass that way yes faith she is pretty very pretty gad she shoots her glances as smartly from behind the old pile yonder as to sir from behind ajax telemann's shield but who is she can you tell me some fair-skinned speculation of old montraville's i suppose that she has got either to toady herself or take in some of her black friends with is it possible you have never heard of old mother montraville 
you know i have been so long absent from madras well continued butler this lady is the widow of a swiss officer in the french service who after the surrender of pondicherry went off into the interior and commenced soldier on his own account he got possession of a fort under pretence of keeping it for some simple rajah or other assembled around him a parcel of desperate vagabonds of every colour in the rainbow occupied a considerable territory of which he raised the duties in his own name and declared for independence but hyder nag understood no such interloping proceedings and down he came besieged the fort and took it though some pretend it was betrayed to him by this very woman be that as it may the poor swiss was found dead on the ramparts certain it is she received large sums of money under pretence of paying off her troops surrendering of hill-forts and heaven knows what besides she was permitted also to retain some insignia of royalty and as she was wont to talk of hyder as the eastern solomon she generally became known by the title of queen of sheba she leaves her court when she pleases and has been as far as fort st george before now in a word she does pretty much as she likes the great folks here are civil to her although they look on her as little better than a spy as to hyder it is supposed he has ensured her fidelity by borrowing the greater part of her treasures which prevents her from daring to break with him besides other causes that smack of scandal of another sort a singular story replied hartley to his companion while his heart dwelt on the question how it was possible that the gentle and simple many gray should be in the train of such a character as this adventurous but butler has not told you the best of it said major mercer who by this time came round to finish his own story your old acquaintance mr tresham or mr middlemas or whatever else he chooses to be called has been complimented by a report that he stood very high in the good graces of this same Bodicea. he certainly commanded some troops which she still keeps on foot and acted as their head in the nawab's service who craftily employed him in whatever could render him odious to his countrymen the british prisoners were entrusted to his charge and to judge by what i felt myself the devil might take a lesson from him in severity and was he attached to or connected with this woman so mrs rumour told us in our dungeon poor jack ward had the bastinado for celebrating their merits in a parody on the playhouse song sure such a pair were never seen so aptly formed to meet by nature hartley could listen no longer the fate of many gray connected with such a man and such a woman rushed on his fancy in the most horrid colours and he was struggling through the throng to get to some place where he might collect his ideas and consider what could be done for her protection 
when a black attendant touched his arm and at the same time slipped a card into his hand it bore miss gray mrs montreville's at the house of ram singh kata in the black town on the reverse was written with a pencil eight in the morning this intimation of her residence implied of course a permission nay an invitation to wait upon her at the hour specified hartley's heart beat at the idea of seeing her once more and still more highly at the thought of being able to serve her at least he thought if there is danger near her as is much to be suspected she shall not want a counsellor or if necessary a protector yet at the same time he felt the necessity of making himself better acquainted with the circumstances of her case and the persons with whom she seemed connected butler and mercer had both spoke to their disparagement but butler was a little of a coxcomb and mercer a great deal of a gossip while he was considering what credit was due to their testimony he was unexpectedly encountered by a gentleman of his own profession a military surgeon who had had the misfortune to have been in hyder's prison till set at freedom by the late pacification mr esdale for so he was called was generally esteemed a rising man calm steady and deliberate in forming his opinions hartley found it easy to turn the subject on the queen of sheba by asking whether her majesty was not somewhat of an adventuress on my word i cannot say answered estelle smiling we are all upon the adventure in india more or less but i do not see that the begum montreville is more so than the rest why that amazonian dress and manner said hartley savour a little of the picaresca you must not said estelle expect a woman who has commanded soldiers and may again to dress and look entirely like an ordinary person but i assure you that even at this time of day if she wished to marry she might easily find a respectable match why i heard that she had betrayed her husband's fort to hyder ay that is a specimen of madras gossip the fact is that she defended the place long after her husband fell and afterwards surrendered it by capitulation hyder who piques himself on observing the rules of justice would not otherwise have admitted her to such intimacy yes i have heard replied hartley that their intimacy was rather of the closest another calumny if you mean any scandal answered estelle hyder is too zealous a mohammedan to entertain a christian mistress and besides to enjoy the sort of rank which is yielded to a woman in her condition she must refrain in appearance at least from all correspondence in the way of gallantry just so they said that the poor woman had a connection with poor middlemas of the regiment and was that also a false report said hartley in breathless anxiety on my soul i believe it was answered mr estelle they were friends 
europeans in an indian court and therefore intimate but i believe nothing more by the by though i believe there was some quarrel between middlemass poor fellow and you yet i am sure that you will be glad to hear there is a chance of his affair being made up indeed was again the only word which hartley could utter ay indeed answered estelle the duel is an old story now and it must be allowed that poor middlemas though he was rash in that business had provocation but his desertion his accepting of command under hyder his treatment of our prisoners how can all these be passed over replied hartley why it is possible i speak to you as a cautious man and in confidence that he may do us better service in hyder's capital or tippoo's camp than he could have done if serving with his own regiment and then for his treatment of prisoners i am sure i can speak nothing but good of him in that particular he was obliged to take the office because those that serve hyder nag must do or die but he told me himself and i believe him that he accepted the office chiefly because while he made a great bullying at us before the black fellows he could privately be of assistance to us some fools could not understand this and answered him with abuse and lampoons and he was obliged to punish them to avoid suspicion yes yes i and others can prove he was willing to be kind if men would give him leave i hope to thank him at madras one day soon all this in confidence good morrow to you distracted by the contradictory intelligence he had received hartley went next to question old captain capstern the captain of the indiaman whom he had observed in attendance upon the begum montreville on inquiring after that commander's female passengers he heard a pretty long catalogue of names in which that he was so much interested in did not occur on closer inquiry capstern recollected that many gray a young scotchwoman had come out under charge of mrs duffer the master's wife a good decent girl capstern said and kept the mates and guinea-pigs at a respectable distance she came out he believed to be a sort of female companion or upper servant in madame montreville's family snug berth enough he concluded if she can find the length of the old girl's foot this was all that could be made of capstern so hartley was compelled to remain in a state of uncertainty until the next morning when an explanation might be expected with many gray in person End of chapter the 10th